Hey, thanks for listening. Keep up with our latest shows, articles, and more when you download the WOVU app. That's WOVU 95.9 FM. And make sure to keep up with the station where our voices are united. WOVU proudly welcomes you to Aspire, a look at post-secondary education options for our students' futures. Aspire is hosted by Dale Robinson Anglin, Program Director for Youth and Social Services at the Cleveland Foundation, and Roland V. Anglin, Dean of the Maxine Goodman Levin College of Urban Affairs at Cleveland State University. Together, they'll explore not only four-year and two-year colleges, but also credentialing programs and other alternatives that will give your student the full spectrum of post-secondary secondary training options. So now, WOVU invites you to aspire. It's time to aspire. We are your host, Dale and Roland Anglin. On this show, you know we aim to help our listening audience understand the world of education after high school and how to be successful in that world. We discuss college, but also want to expose our listening audience to a wide variety of career choices. Each week, we will bring you important information that you and your family can use to understand the post-secondary environment and careers in our region and beyond. And always some disclaimers. We represent our own views, not those of the places where we work. This week, we've invited Brittany Atkinson from Youth Opportunities Unlimited, or YOU, to be our guest. Brittany has multiple roles at YOU. She's a manager of the Summer Youth Employment Program and Case Management Support Services and the interim manager of the Youth Adult Resource Center. For those of you who don't know YOU, it manages the community county's Summer Youth Employment Program, among other activities. Welcome, Brittany. Before we talk about your current work, let's hear about your Aspire journey. Um, where, where did you go to school? What's your hometown? And what did you do in high school on your way to your post-secondary career? Hello. Um, so I'm not from Ohio originally. I am from a small town in Indiana, uh, Sheridan, Indiana. And I went to Sheridan High School. And when I say small, I mean pretty small. So I graduated with a class of 73. And I knew them most of them from first grade through 12th grade. Um, When I was in school, I tried out a lot of different sports, but I consistently played soccer. And um, in terms of other things that I did outside of school, just spent a lot of time with friends. And my town's a big football town, so homecoming and Friday night football games is a big part of our life throughout high school. And how did you learn about college? So college was really just something I always knew I was supposed to go to. So I was fortunate in that, you know, my parents both had bachelor's degrees. And um, that was really just always the expectation for me to go to college. Um, But actually, I think the movies I watched and the TV shows that I watched also helped expose me to college. So, um really funny and silly story when I was pretty little I had a toy mailbox and I would write myself fake Ivy League acceptance letters and then like pretend to open them and be excited that I got into like Harvard Princeton Yale so I don't really know how I knew about those schools too 
But I knew, I think, just from the media that they were prestigious and really cool. And um, if you got in there, you would you would go far. Um, and so, yeah, I just grew up knowing that I would go to college somewhere. Um, and then I am from a Big Ten family. So my dad went to University of Illinois and so did my grandpa. And um, I happened to live in Purdue University's backyard in Indiana. So it's less than an hour away. And that's a Big Ten school. And so that's where I ended up going. Um, and it was just kind of a no-brainer. It was a Big Ten school, very close, but still far enough. And um, at the time, I wanted to be a veterinarian, and Purdue had a great vet school. Um, but I will say that, you know, don't be like me because I literally only applied to Purdue. I think I got nervous when it became actually real and I actually was a senior and I was actually supposed to be submitting these applications. And I got really freaked out about this being a big next step change in my life. And so I was so overwhelmed. I just did the one and, and <laughs> crossed my fingers that I would get in. Thankfully I did. Um, but that was silly. I, I would say definitely you, you should, you should put more, you should put your hat, you should put your chips in multiple hats. I can't think of the right <laughs> metaphor. Phrase, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> Brittany, thinking back, um, was there one or two individuals that uh, mentored you and uh, helped you find your way in high school and beyond? In high school, I I think it was really mostly my parents and just friends. Um I mean, we were a small school, so you were close with your teachers, too. But in high school, I can't really think of someone who really comes to mind as, like, a one-on-one -on -one mentor. Um, but I think, you know, my school is really small, and there are very few seniors. So, you know, our guidance counselor is very hands-on and could support in that way. And um, there there were lots of teachers kind of asking those kinds of questions. And then my parents, I think, really... Um, just major. I submitted at least the one application. I don't think they were happy. I only did one, but they definitely made sure I submitted something. I think I heard you mention veterinary science. Is that what you uh, majored in in college? Yeah. So I went into college majoring in biology and I wanted to get into vet school after that. And biology gets you the prereqs. That's what they told me. Um, and so I started Purdue with a biology major and after my first semester I really had a crisis of identity because I hated biology <laughs> and the <Yes>. coursework <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> so I really was like oh my gosh I never I just said a long time ago that I wanted to be a veterinarian and that's literally all I thought I was going to do. And now I'm here. And if this is what I would need to learn, and it's just going to get harder for the next three and a half years, I hate this. And so I, um, I really had an identity crisis at that point because I never thought about other options. And so I was in college and I was like, should I drop out? Should I just quit? Like, how do I do this? I don't want to study this, but I don't know what to do. And so I, um, thankfully, 
Purdue had a really great like career resource center on campus and you can make an appointment and talk to career counselors. And so I did that thankfully and took a lot of personality assessments and interest assessments and the results kept saying social work, counseling, youth work. Um, And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do that. And so I switched my major to youth, adult, and family services. And I think given what I currently do, that was the right choice. Was it hard being at such a large school? Purdue was huge. Yeah, it was. It was terrifying. Um, My mom will probably listen to this and remember. I mean, I seriously cried like every day for the first month because it was just so different from everything I had ever known and I didn't know anybody and I had felt pretty smart in high school and I didn't have to try hard and so then I was at Purdue and I I I wasn't I had to work really hard I had to study all the time I didn't have a lot of free time and I put a lot of pressure on myself to get really good grades so I really had a hard time adjusting and then top it off. I didn't like what I was learning and didn't know what I would do next. So my first semester was really tough. Um, And after a few years, I'm glad I stuck it out because I, you know, definitely a few times had um, looked into transferring somewhere smaller, somewhere closer to home. And, um, you know, my parents were supportive in that you can do this. I think you should stay if you want to leave you can and we'll support you but they definitely encouraged me to try to stick it out and once I switched my major and really started to gain some confidence that I liked those classes that I had an aptitude for that stuff um, it started to get a lot better. I'm curious at big schools like Purdue because we have a number of students here who want to go away Mm -hmm. at least want to leave Cleveland. (laughs) And, yeah. and a big school seems so enticing, right? The, the sports and all the different clubs, and it just seems like so much fun. And then, frankly, a, a lot of students, and this isn't just here, those big schools are not for them. It's, just exact, it's exactly what you said. It's too big. It's too hard to figure out how to get to know people. I'm curious what Purdue did. Did they do anything like now in some of those schools, they've learned best practices around putting people in pods so they – yeah. introduce you to like a, a club of young people that are like you yeah. from the very beginning so that you can make the school yeah. smaller, right? Yeah. So they definitely tried to do that, but I was in a biology learning community. Oh. And so <laughs> that didn't <laughs> so work. My first, yeah. <laughs> so my first semester, I did have people and we were all in the same classes. Um, and so we would see each other and we started to get to know each other and eat lunch together, stuff like that. And then I did switch my major, but thankfully um, one of my very best friends from high school went to Purdue too. And so she had started out in that major. And so I ended up in that major with her and then we had most of our classes together. So it was a little piece of home, Um, but it was really hard. And I think I could have left and went somewhere else and been successful as well. And I think it is definitely something something to think about and weigh your options because it is um, super culture shock. And I 
really was socialized growing up to go to a school like that. And I think that that was one of the reasons I stayed and it ended up working out great. I think if you don't have that, then yeah, it it can be really hard and it might not be the best fit and there's probably something else. And I think the biggest thing is that um, if the school isn't the right fit, there is a school that probably is. Sometimes it's just not the first one you go to. So you're in college, uh, you figured out that biology may not be for you and you make a transition. Um, what, what, what came next? So with um, switching my major very quickly, um, I really felt a lot of confidence and I was like, yeah, I think this is, this is the right thing because I feel like I can grasp this material. I understand it. Um, it's more intuitive to me. And so I just kept going on in the major and the classes get a little harder. And then you, a big part of youth adult and family services was doing, um, like putting it into practice and so finding somewhere in the community to serve youth or families. And so I did that and you get, it's part of your major, you have to do it. And I'm glad I did because it gave me a lot of good hands-on experience. So I did um, a drop-in center in a, in um, downtown Lafayette, Indiana. And it was a community center in a low-income area. And mostly black, black kids were there. And um, it was just a, a safe space place to be it just had food and basketball court and lots of board games and lots of staff that were just there to kind of hang out and be supportive and talk with the kids that dropped in and feed them food and that's where I did my first kind of internship Um, and from there I just kept building on that experience and so in my senior year you actually have your whole semester, your last semester of school is a full-time internship. And so you don't have class. You just work full-time, 40 hours a week somewhere in the field. And so I worked with juvenile probation. Um, I had really started to figure out that I liked working with teens. And so I, and I also liked the legal system. It was interesting to me. And so I wanted to check it out. And so I interned with juvenile probation and that was awesome experience. I was sitting in the courtroom with the judge every other day, watching cases and doing home visits and school visits. And uh, the probation officers there kind of took me under their wing. There were two, um, two women that weren't too much older than me. And so they were kind of people I looked up to. They were already working. They were out of school. And so I did that internship. And then I finished school and um, started working as a mental health case manager. So, so really, I just kept like refining within that big industry what I was getting exposed to and experiencing to try to figure out like, my next career move. And what did you see? I mean, once you got into that, that's a theme we're hearing, you know, if you're in somebody's college, please, please, please get an internship, whether it's required or not, mm-hmm. or try to get one. 
hopefully yeah. paid if, if not. Um, but that really helps hone your skills and helps you decide Absolutely. if that's really what you want to do. Um, and we just need many, many more opportunities for young people to do these types of short and long-term internships. Absolutely. Um, just Absolutely. In it, it helps everybody in the end, right? <laughs> yes, um, it does. And you just keep learning a little bit about the different nuances and seeing, you know, and in, in networking and you talk to people at probation, like, what did you do before this? If you would do something else, what would you do? And it really just helps you start to think and open your eyes um, to what you might want to try next if that doesn't feel like the exact right fit. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad I did so much like hands-on field practice. We're talking with Brittany Atkinson. Brittany runs the Summer Youth Employment Program, among other roles, at the Youth Opportunities Unlimited, or better known as YOU around here. And we've been hearing about how Brittany thought she wanted to be a veterinarian and studied biology and then realized when she got to college that is not what you wanted to do. Um, and you switched to kind of youth development, helping young people, social work field. And then it sounds like you, you got an internship and you got a job uh, with that organization after you graduated. Is that right? I got a job or similar as a, as a case manager and it was very similar and it was actually uh, one of the probation officers had had that job before she became a probation officer. So I was, think I was trying to kind of follow in her footsteps. Absolutely. So now take us between now and you get coming to YOU. You've been there a few years now, right? Yeah. So I've been at YOU for about four and a half years. Um, so I worked as a case manager in my, in my fresh out of college years. And I did home visits and school visits. And so I worked with young people that had some kind of um, mental health diagnosis. So ADHD, depression, bipolar disorder. And really I was helping them get through school. So coping skills and organizational skills and helping with executive functioning. And so just really helping them to be successful navigating the social and academic parts of school. And then doing a little bit of home stuff to help with like family um, and so I did that for two and a half years, but uh, into probably my second year, I really started to realize like, okay, I definitely want to work with young people. I definitely want to keep doing that. I don't think I like to do this much direct service one-on-one with a young person. And so I started to look around like, okay, who's kind of the boss? Who's kind of in charge, kind of making the influential decisions? And how they get to that point. And so really looking around like where I was working, um, people went and they got their master's degree. And so I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm going to need to do because I want to, I want to be the boss. (laughs) I want to lead stuff. I want to make influential decisions. I want to design. And so I went to social work school and I went to Boston College. And so I packed up and left Indiana, which was really good for me. And I moved to Boston. And um, again, internships are huge. And so when you are in social work school for your master's, you have to do an internship. You do two days of class and then two to three days of an internship. And so they kind of match you up and they talked to me and I said, well, I definitely want to work with teens. 
um, maybe I want to work with young with young parents. We want to work with teen parents. And so they said, okay, we can put you at a teen parent program. And so I interned there while I was doing my first year of grad school and I loved it. It was awesome. Um, it was, it was a little bit of like group therapy and just kind of like one-on-one support and really the goal, um, it was free daycare for the, for the parents if they were in school. And so just a lot of conversations with them about how to get it through school because being a young parent, being a parent is hard. Being a young parent is really hard. So getting through school and then, you know, finding something next like college or a job. And so we had a lot of those kinds of conversations with them. And then I had to go into my next year of social work school and they were asking me what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I definitely want to keep on this like education and enrichment for teens and young adults. And so they said, oh, well, we've got a new place you could intern. And they do young adult workforce development. And so I said, okay, I don't really know what workforce development is, but sounds like you, it's enriching and you work with young people. So I'll, I'll do it. And so I interned at a place called Gear Up, and it, it's a national nonprofit. Oh, Gear Up, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a national nonprofit, Absolutely. and it, it was based in Boston. Yep. And so I interned there, and um, that was cool. And you, it really showed me that youth workforce development was really my niche, you know, because I had worked in probation, mental health, with teen parents. Um, but then workforce was really cool because for me, I could see, I could see the success happen in a pretty quick amount of time. And when I worked in all these other spaces, it was always talking about getting someone a job. If they were on probation, they could get off earlier if they got a job and stayed at it. If um, when I had my, caseload when I was case manager you know that was something we were always trying to do if they were old enough to work it's like this will be a positive thing for you to do this will be a good thing for you to have and to feel like you're earning some money and also gets you out of the house and you meet new people so you know we're talking about a job with addressing delinquency a job with addressing mental health then we talked about that a lot with the parents because they need to support themselves and and their kids and so it was like wow this is kind of full circle and I really can see the changes. Like I can see someone come in, gain some skills, build their confidence in themselves and then get into the workforce. And sometimes the young people were making more than I was. (laughs) Um, And so, but that was cool. And it was really cool to see. Um, And so I was like, you know, I think youth workforce is my niche. This is definitely what I want to keep doing. And so I finished grad school and my second semester, um, I kind of went on a campaign with Europe and I was like, I want to work here. I don't know if you'll have a position when I graduate, but like I'm going to apply to whatever ones there are because I want to work here. And sure enough, um, a job in admissions opened up and I got it and I loved it and it was awesome. And I worked there for a little over a year. And then I had met someone when I was at Purdue and 
he was living in Cleveland and he works at NASA. And so we were pretty serious and one of us needed to relocate. And so I moved here to Cleveland and I knew exactly I wanted to work in youth workforce development. Well, in Cleveland, YOU is the place to do that. Um, it's, it's the only nonprofit that does youth-specific workforce development. And so I um, networked and got introduced to the, the president at the time, Carol Urbshin. And she said, come on down, we'll interview you and see if it's a good fit. And it was. And so I'm here. Um, and I definitely want to say in youth workforce development um, and now with NYOU, as you see, I wear a lot of hats right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I found the place and now I'm just trying out different positions to figure out exactly um, what I like. I mean, I like it all, but just trying to grow and challenge myself and get new skills. So talk about YOU. I mean, I think it's one of the best kept secrets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. So YOU, uh, our mission is to prepare teens and young adults to become economically self-sufficient. And at the same time, we're helping build Northeast Ohio's workforce. So helping to get young people into that workforce, make the workforce um, higher skilled, more inclusive, and so that's YOU, and it's been around since the early 80s. Um, and their first summer job summer was in 1983. And so YOU, um, YOU does a lot with youth in a lot of different ways. We have in-school programs and out-of-school time programs. And we work with teens and high schoolers and then also young adults, so 18 to 24 and right now um, you're recruiting for summer youth employment, right? Yes, we are. So the application went live on February 1st. So we are hoping that we get a lot of people to apply. We're trying to fill a little over a thousand spots for the summer. How old is the YOU? I'm sorry? How old is YOU? How long has it been around? Oh, since 1982. Wow. Yeah. And so... Most people know it as the summer jobs, um, but it's really grown. And even since I got there in 2016, um, YOU has grown so much and is involved in so many different things around the workforce space and with youth development. And so it's really cool and exciting. Um, yeah. And uh, you work with the county and the city to uh, host some of their programs? Yes. Yeah, so our summer jobs program, we have some county funding, some city funding, and some private funding, um, all to get to like a little over a thousand this year work experiences. And what happened? I mean, what, what's summer youth employment in COVID? <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> Great question. So, in, in some, sometimes it looks somewhat similar. So a young person gets matched to a work site and they go there in person for 25 hours a week. Um, but we've really had to make sure that our work sites can accommodate our kind of COVID protocols. So the ability to have six feet apart, to limit the number of people around, to do a lot of screening, to provide personal protective equipment, 
Um, and so last year we, we were planning to serve, you know, close to 3000 and then COVID happened. And so we had to, we had to cut back because there were just some work sites that in a COVID world couldn't do it. And that's great because we can work with them in the future. Um, but we, we had to cut back and we were only, we only did about 830 youth last summer. Um, and this summer we're doing a little more than that, but a big part of what we had to do was virtual work experiences. And so we had some youth that did all of the summer job from home on a computer. And we did a lot of career exploration with them and project-based learning. So you're still practicing those essential skills, teamwork, organization, and time management. But it looked a lot, a lot different in a COVID world. BioU seems to be different from most um, youth employment programs that I know of, at least. You have case management uh, assigned to the young people. Uh, tell us what how that what that looks like. Yeah, so for both our work experiences, for our young adults and for our summer jobs with teens, we have case managers for most of them. And the case manager wears a lot of hats, but really what they're they're trying to do is um, help with barrier remediation and then with support and encouragement. And so, you know, things like transportation and having a, a uniform or the right dress code, access to technology, and then some of the less tangible barriers like mental health and um, anger management and those kinds of things that come up, the case manager can help with either just one-on-one, -on -one, like through their own coaching and encouragement or by just being aware of the different resources in the community to share with the young person and their family. And so, um, yeah, the case manager, their, their goal is to meet every young person and do a short kind of a strengths and needs assessment, kind of know what they need to be successful at that work experience, and then try to provide those services and those resources. And the really, really cool thing is that YOU summer jobs isn't really just a summer job because the case managers stay with them for the, for the next year. So if they work this summer, they'll have a case manager that stays with them until they finish their next school year. And so the case manager checks in, you know, once a month or more. And really, it depends what the young person needs. Sometimes they're doing some tutoring. Sometimes they're sharing some resources. Sometimes they're just checking in and saying, hey, keep it up, or what do you need? Um, sometimes they're helping the family. So talking to the mom or the dad or the grandma and providing them with information and resources. So I think that case management, and, and we call it a follow-up year, um, are really awesome elements of our program. And um, tell, talk a little bit about some of the employers of the work sites. They mostly public sector, private sector, nonprofit sector? A little bit of both. I think our biggest ones are community development corporations, the libraries, the rec centers, 
Um, but then we have some private sectors with some fast food. Um, but really, we we generate work sites from everywhere. Um, another really cool thing about summer jobs is the connection to all these different community partners and community programs as well. And so sometimes a really cool summer program can have a wage with it because they partner with us. So we make it into work experience and they get to complete that awesome program. So I think that's another really cool part about summer jobs. And um, yeah, in terms of employers, like libraries, rec centers, community development are the biggest ones. Then we do have some more like private sector, retail and food. We're talking to Brittany Atkinson with YOU, Youth Opportunities Unlimited. They are the entity here that runs our summer youth employment program here in Cuyahoga County. And Brittany manages that program. So you are very important (laughs) um, to young people and their families. And you were talking to us about um, employers. And I know you've recently done a study on how important um, summer youth employment is to young people and their success. Yeah, absolutely. So Case Western did a study uh, and they looked at young people who applied for our summer youth employment program compared to young people that got randomly selected. And so very similar pool of applicants, but some were selected and some weren't. And they looked at outcomes over a few years. So 2014 to 2017 is the period. And they found that youth who did our summer jobs had better attendance, were more likely to graduate high school, we're less likely to ha- have involvement with the justice system. And so I think like a lot of really great results are, are showcased in that. And um, a summer youth employment, it made a difference in a lot of lives. And I know um, for some of us who help fund summer youth employment programs, including YOU, um, you, you just see the difference when you have young people working in the summer, it helps in so many, it helps them, it helps our community, it helps our workforce. Um, it's not a silver bullet, but it's as close as we have to one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the study shows specifically Cleveland and YOU's program. I think in general, summer jobs are so important because you're really getting a chance to practice those essential skills that you need for any job. So, you know, I I found out what kind of career I wanted pretty early on, and I've just kept expanding on that. But I still use like, the, some of the skills I got from my my first summer job when I worked at Yankee Candle Company, like being on time and organizing. And if you can lean, you can clean. And so just making the most of your time. Um, and so I think that that is huge because it really gives young people a chance to showcase those skills and refine them. And I think the connection to a job coach and a case manager and even that worksite supervisor is huge too because it's just more adults in your life that can give advice and that you can look at. And you know, aside from your parents, it's just more people to see what they're what they are like and what they what their careers are and ask advice and so I think those are really key. Brittany, uh, is the program intentional about helping students uh, think about a, po- a post-secondary education? So, what I will say is we're getting 
really, really good at that. <laughs> and uh, we're really excited for this summer, especially because we know we are going to have to do more all virtual work experiences. And so we want to take advantage of that and really, really hone in on career exploration and career exposure and just spend a lot of time having young people think about themselves and their values and their interests and then match that up to different types of jobs and especially focus on the big the big three and demand ones for Cleveland, so healthcare and IT and manufacturing. And even start to think creatively, like even in in a healthcare, even in a hospital, they need social media and they need finance and they need tech. And so really helping them think like, okay, here's the employers, but what do you want to do? Because it's likely there's something there that you could do that's really going to tap into your interests and skills. That's great. Um, but you also offer programming for young adults, uh, 16 to 24. Um, tell us about uh, the Young Adult Resource Center. Yeah, so the, the YRC is very near and dear to my heart. When I came to YOU, that was where I worked, and I was on the front line. And over time, I became the manager. Um, but the YRC is um, its kind of like the, the one place you can go. If you know you're a young person and you want a job or you want some training, but you're not really sure where you should go for that, you can come to the YRC and we can walk you through some, some assessments. Like just like I was saying earlier where I had this career counselor at Purdue that had me take some tests and I was like, why am I taking these tests and looking at this painting to see if I'm an extrovert or an introvert? But it really all did matter and it really all um, did point me in the right career and I'm still in it. And so I, I think we can do that for people. We can have conversations and ask questions and show them where to look stuff up and figure out like, what, they, what they think they might want to do. And then we can say, okay, well, you know, YOU has this training program. If you want to work in IT, they've got this um, help desk, network support training, or you want to work in manufacturing, like Towards Employment has this great program. Um, and so we can really like highlight what's out there and help make that warm handoff. I understand. How do people access the YRC and COVID? Good question. So we're all virtual right now. So they can call in and we have a main line that's answered during, you know, typical business hours. Um, and then we also, in COVID world, created a blog. So just a way to get some stuff out there in the community. And we also created an online learning portal. And so we have a lot of like career exposure and career exploration on our um, learning management system and young people can just enroll themselves in, in the course and they can learn about, um, we, we kind of just make those assessments available. And instead of us asking the questions, we kind of make those reflective questions after they complete it um, or we show a video and then ask them questions to get them thinking. So we've kind of went all virtual right now, um, but we are on the phone and can help people if they call in. And how do you, so right now we know we have a number of young people who are college age, 
may have started college, but have had to stop out in order to work right now in COVID to help themselves and their families. We have a lot of that going on. So I'm curious if you get questions from your young people that your case managers have stayed in touch with about how to manage all of that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's a really weird, hard time. I think childcare has always been kind of something that we've had to help people navigate. And now, you know, with childcare centers closed um, and, and that's a whole different thing. And so people are still wanting to learn and do trainings. And then they're also being parents full time at home. That's a big one. Um, Yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's a really tough time and people I think still have a lot of pressure that they should be doing all of these things and completing all of these things. And um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a hard thing to navigate for sure. So I know we've had some conversations with some of our guests and some of the people that we work with trying to get, how do we have a conversation here right now with young people and their families and our society that it's okay there's no one way or no um, that you have to go through your 20s, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't have yeah. to graduate high school at 17 or 18, go straight to college, then get your job by the time you're 22. And if you don't do it in that time frame, in that order, something's wrong with you. No, people have right. gone through so many different routes they stop out, they start back, they stop out for years, they stop back. They learn on the way. All of that is okay. You can still, mm-hmm. as long as you've got a goal and you try to stick to those goals, even the goals shift, you have some mentors along the way. Don't get into trouble because um, <laughs> that's a different type of roadblock. Um, but it, it's really fine. You, you, when, someone, when you get to be 30 and people are going to ask you, oh, what was your life journey until mm-hmm. now? And you say you had to stop out and work for a couple of years. No one, I don't want to say no one's going to care, but they're going to be like, wow, then you must have learned a lot along the way. I want to help young people understand that even if you are not in school right now, you are still learning. There's all types of learning that's happening. You're learning about, you know, being on time. You're learning about getting a job, trying to get a job, you know, losing a job, getting another job. I was scared of work. I didn't even know what to do um, to try to get a job when I graduated Mm -hmm. college. These young people, they know exactly where to go and what to do. That itself is a skill that will serve you well in your lifetime. But I don't think we talk enough about that. What do you think? I totally agree. I, um, you know, had written a little note to myself, like, no time is wasted if you're learning during it. And if you have to leave school or even you want to leave school for a while and you're working, like just make sure you are always thinking about what you like and don't like in that situation and just put yourself into new situations to learn new things. And yeah, I think give yourself a break because learning doesn't stop and it's not as straightforward as just sitting in a classroom And so I think, you know, for me, like, yes, my major supports what I do. And I really, I learned so much from different part-time jobs and internships and just even doing administrative stuff or 
being a barista. Like I learned <laughs> all of those things and they still help me do what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I would say it's not a waste of time. Don't beat yourself up if you're not doing this traditional path that we in society have depicted is what you're supposed to do. Um, and just take advantage of whatever your path is. And at the end, you know, you can look back and, and really showcase what you learned and when and how. And we're talking about the um, young people, even if you're working, having to stop out of school, that that's okay, you're still learning. I think we all just need to help young people sometimes understand that we've, we've spent so much time, they're in school for so long, and we say school, school, school. They think on, on, learning only happens in school. But learning happens everywhere. You're learning on the bus if you're going to school. You are learning if you are taking a part-time job. You are learning if you are at home taking care of your siblings. There's all sorts of things you are learning, um, including some math, by the way, and some of that. Um, and they're equally important. There's what you learn in school, and there's what you learn outside of school. They are equally important, and they help build you as you think about what you want to do long-term. You know, Dale, I want to ask Brittany this question, given the fact she works with so many young people. Uh, how are they viewing their career path? Um, what are they thinking about? You know, when I was a young person, uh, we wanted to be a doctor, lawyer, and Indian chief. When you talk to young people, what are their career aspirations? And does it line up with uh, reality? Um. Good question. So I, I think um, sometimes it it's really ambitious, which is great. So um, a musician, a pro athlete, a doctor, and then sometimes it's it's what they have seen and know exists. And so um, and a, a nursing assistant. And if you drill down and ask why, it's because you know, my, my cousin and my sister and my mom do that. And, um, and then, so I think that a lot of times it, it's the, it's the big high profile fancy or it's, um, what they really see people around them doing. And I think what I will consistently say that I observe is just not realizing that there are literally millions of jobs and um, it's, a, it's amazing when they will take, you know, like an, a career interest inventory, right? Like something informed by Holland codes and it'll match up to like 50 job titles and they're across the board different. And it's just so interesting. Like, have you ever even heard of these? no, um, read them. Like, what do you think? Like, and at first glance, like, no, I don't want to do that. And then, and then if you have a conversation, it's like, well, look at this one. Like, this is a manager and you said you like working with your hands, right? Like this is super hands-on. And so you really got to like help them to not think about the titles they know, but really what the job requires you to do and what a day-to-day -day looks like. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's what you know, and and I think that young people just don't realize that there's like within every industry, there's like thousands of different types of jobs you could do, and you can really find one that's really honing in on what you like and don't like, and your passions and and your skills. 
Do you think schools could help more with that job, that um, exposure to different career paths earlier? Even if the young people are going to change their mind, that's fine. But at least giving them more exposure to what is possibly out there, because that happens kind of hit or miss in schools. Yeah, I think so. And I I think that Cleveland uh, CMSD is doing that. So I, uh, aside from working at YOU, I've been a part of a lot of the the career exploration and career pathway work that CMSD is doing. Um, and so right now they're doing something with seniors called SWAG. And it's all about like career exploration and exposure to different jobs and, and asking those kinds of questions. And that's for seniors and that's more of like immediate solution. And then they're looking at like how they can embed more career exploration and career exposure from 6 to 12. And so I think that there's a lot of momentum around this. And I will say also, you know, our education system, there's a lot that young people have to learn and accomplish in order to get that diploma. And so sometimes um, you, they, you've got to focus on that. That's what they've got to learn. And that's the classes they have to take. And so it's, it's interesting to try to find that balance and be able to embed more of that in while also trying to meet all these other things, right? Um, when you're in that education system. Yeah, time is our enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not enough time to learn everything we want young people to learn before they're 18. <laughs> um, yeah. So how do, right now, your portal is open for the Summer Youth Employment Program. How do young mm-hmm. people um, access that portal and what information do they need to submit? So to apply, you just go to our website, youthopportunities.org slash S-Y-E-P, Summer Youth Employment Program. But you just type the four letters. And uh, there's a big apply now button. So that's how you apply. What you need when you apply is just your contact info. That's really the biggest thing. It's just basic questions about you, what grade you're in, where you live. And then you've just got to put good contact information, email address and phone. Because if you get selected, if you get a spot, we've got to be able to reach you and move you through the next step. And you, you explain more of the process. It's, it's um, yeah. first come, first serve. It's how do people get selected? What's the criteria? So it's random selection. So our application is open from February 1st to, to May 1st. And then we randomly select because there's always way more people than there are open spots. And so we do a random selection and then we notify people who got selected, families, through emails, checks, and, and letters mailed. And then they have to come in and verify eligibility. So we are mostly funded by county and city. And so there's paperwork and funding requirements you have to meet. And so then families have to provide their income and their identity. And we kind of go through all of that paperwork with them. And then there's an orientation, so that's just really like how to clock your time, talking about communication with your boss and your job coach, and then they get to work. And so this year, our work experience are scheduled to start June 21st and go through July 31st. And um, Brittany, as we're coming to the end of our conversation here, have you had some practical advice for students and their parents listening about um the world of work that you you participate in about uh, managing school and work or um, thinking about school, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I I think the first thing is give yourself a break, both parents and young people, because the world is 
a weird world right now. Um, and then the second thing I would say is to get experience from anything that you're doing. So what do you like and what do you not like about it? And what kind of transferable skills are you getting? And I think that we don't, we don't talk about that enough, just how many skills you can get at a part-time job that you will use the rest of your life. Um, I would say don't skip on, on career exploration. Don't be like me and assume you know exactly what you want to do and not consider anything else until you're halfway down that path and then you hate it. And um, I would say no time is wasted time if you're learning. Um, so yeah, that would be my advice. This is great. Well said. And Brittany, don't beat yourself up too much. I think uh, 99% <laughs> of us uh, switch gears uh, when we get to college, and that's, a, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I agree, and I use, it, I use that story a lot with young people, too, um, and just let them know, like, hey, I thought I knew what I wanted to do, too, and I'm really glad that I was able to have someone kind of point out other options for me. So, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brittany Atkinson with YOU. Thank you for joining us today on Aspire, WOVU 95.9, Burton Bill Carr Community Radio. Please be safe during these times. Remember to wear your masks, wash your hands regularly, and physically distance. And learn more about the vaccines that are on the market and make informed choices about them. Thanks to our listening audience, and we will see you next time. Thanks for spending time with us today on Aspire. Coming to you from WOVU 95.9, Burton Bell Car Community Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Aspire on WOVU. We look forward to you listening again next week at the same time as Roland and Dale Anglin share more exciting tips to get our youth ready for life after high school. Until then, WOVU reminds you to aspire for greatness. Greatness.